Last Sunday, I thought I was speaking Chinese because <laughs> I was looking at your faces while I was preaching, and, and, and I don't know where we were together. I, I think we were. And um, interestingly enough, for the first time in four years, my ego got boosted. No. <laughs> I got scared because three different individuals requested copies of the slides of the sermon. <laughs> and that's exciting. Um, so I made copies of last week's sermon, plus, this is last week's sermon stuff. Should you open it, then you have this week's. How many of you would like to follow along? Ushers, please. I'll take care of this group here. Come and rescue me, yeah. No, I got them all here. I wanted to make the announcement, so go ahead. I'll give one to Lisa. Thank you. Here you go. Good to see you. While the greeters pass that out, I get my pointer. This is my highly tech pointer. Uh, somebody was telling me that I need a laser beam. Well, you know, I don't know if I do because I don't know if it's going to show up in there or not. So, I lock my stick. <laughs> if you would be so kind as to look in your worship guides towards the back, you have the reading for this, for the message for this morning. Paul is, is actually teaching and writing to the Corinthians, and he's basically telling them that, that, you know, stop judging, stop looking at each other in a worldly manner. Uh, stop comparing yourself with people. Stop the gossip. Stop the hearsay. Some of that stuff. Um, and this is where we catch him as he kind of concludes that that kind of behavior is not the best kind of behavior. He's going to say, why is not the best kind of behavior? And then he's going to tell us how our behaviors, how our lives can be changed and transformed into uh, something that's new and something that's beginning almost every day as we get up. I'm also going to read the two texts that you may find in your uh, notes that were from last week, which is Second Thessalonians 5.23, and I'm also going to read Third John. Now, uh, Bible quiz, how many chapters does Third John has? That's it. Very short, little letter, but right there, there's some very good theology in there. Listen to then for the word of the Lord as I read out of Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 16 through 21. Paul says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all this, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people 
to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The word of the Lord. Now, if you look in the notes in the first, uh, in the second little, no, in the first one, I think, uh, you will see the verse of 2 Thessalonians 5.23. And this is uh, Paul's, one of Paul's earliest letters that he writes. And uh, he t- he's finishing the letter. And as he's finishing his letter, he's giving his salutation, actually, he's giving his blessing. And his blessing is very interesting because it says, uh, and now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. John has something interesting to add to that, and he says in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Beloved, I pray, and by the way, I'm using the King James Version here because it's the one I like in this particular passage. The other one's diluted to modern terms that I don't think convey what, I'm, what the actual original is trying to say, and, and this is closer to the, what I, how I would translate it. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Just as your soul prosper. Thank you. Oh, they were here. Thank you. Um, I've been sharing a series since we became in, in, in Easter, and, and the title was Gardening Our Soul. So we're kind of gardening the soul, and we have discovered that in order for us to have a better life, that in order for us to, to have a closer life with Jesus, our life, our soul, is like a, gar- is like a garden. Our soul is our inner world. Our soul is the world that we don't let other people see that much, though we think we don't let them see it. Others of us who are trained, we can see through that or pretend we can at times. But the inner world that we have is that private world. Gordon MacDonald in 1984, uh, yeah, Gordon MacDonald in 1984 wrote a book called Ordering Your Private World. I had just begun in seminary that time, I think. And uh, no, I was living actually in Paris. But the book was very impressive that it, was, it spoke about the necessity for a believer to begin to work in their inner private life because it is the inner private life that really rules everything else. It is that private secret world within us, our thoughts, our attitudes, our understanding, our beliefs. It is that part of us that keeps it so, so, so together so that the outer world could function. Actually, uh, uh, in your worship guide, if you look at the front, there is the circles. Look at the circles. 
And if you look at the circles, the circles basically are saying that we are spirit, soul, and body. But uh, the medical model or the empirical model, and Dr. Markle is here, would have described it differently. It would have placed the spirit in the center, the soul in the second, and then the body outside. Because it assumes that the body is the one that manages the spirit or the soul. That's the medical model. It was interesting that when Oral Roberts began his, his uh, university, he used this text, but he changed it. He changed it. Instead of saying, uh, may your whole be spirit, soul, and body, if you look at Oral Roberts' um, ministry, it says body, soul, and spirit. He had a medical school. Get it? It's okay. But in Scripture, we see it is spirit, the outer circle, soul, the other circle, and then the body. Because in the biblical model, it is desired. It was designed. We were designed in such a way that we were a spiritual body, a spiritual being. Remember when Jesus rose and he became a spiritual being? That's what we were. That's what we're going to be. But in between, we develop that spirituality within us. And the goal of, by the way, look carefully at the verse. Now may the God of peace make you holy. This is what we used to call sanctification. In 20, 21st century, this is sanctification. We're not moving ourselves into a self-improvement plan, but we're moving into accepting the grace of God as God moves us in our lives and God confronts us with situations or we are experiencing situations and God's grace begins to work in us and God's Spirit begins to work in us. So our soul needs tending, the inner world rules the outside world. We're not going to move into an exercise of self-improvement but an exercise in the discipline of accepting God's grace. Let's review that first triangle. Last week, very briefly, we said that the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit dwells within us. It is the, it is the, the, the member of the Trinity or the expression of the Godhead that relates to us on a daily basis, right? We understood that we also have a spirit like we saw in the text. We have a soul where the mind, the will, and the emotions are kind of harvested in there, we have a body. And the body has DNA, it has chemical reactions and a nervous system. It has a brain. And sometimes it gets sick, right? It's unhealthy sometimes, okay? So we understood that when we, and we remembered that in Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, he told the couple, don't eat of this tree because if you eat of this tree, you shall surely, not surely, you shall surely die. She surely, um, you shall surely die. But they did eat from it and they were still alive. So what died from them? It was the spirit in small s. Remember, spirit in small s in scripture is always refers to the spirit of, of human beings, of humankind. So what died was the spirit, what died was that connector, that ability that we had, that privilege that we had to relate, and as Scripture says, to walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day. That was lost. 
Jesus, in chapter 3 of John, talks to Nicodemus and tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, oh, cool. How is that going to happen? How in the world am I supposed to return to my mom's womb? And Jesus said, no, 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 buddy. It's another level, another realm, another language, another world. You must be born again of spirit and water. So what, bo- what is born again in us? The spirit, the sensibility, the capacity, that element in us that connects with God. And once it's connected with God, the goal is for us to become, walk in the spirit, pray in the spirit, be in the spirit. Those are all metaphors that Paul uses to what Paul also says, walk in Jesus, be in Jesus, live in Jesus. So what happens then is that all the perfections, by the way, up there in the corner is the perfections of God. The perfections is a very old term, very old, maybe 17th or 18th century term, that refers to the attributes of God to the good things of God to, the God, to the real love, not our kind of defaulted love, but to God's excellent, perfect love, God's perfect peace, God's perfect patience, God's perfect kindness, God's perfect goodness, and so on and so on. Now, I just limited itself to the fruit of the Spirit, but there's a lot more. There is the way Jesus forgives, and Jesus tells us to forgive, and we are to study that perfection in terms of forgiveness. Because if you see the first arrow, it is the idea of sanctification, the idea of discipleship, the idea of walking in Christ, the idea of being in Christ is for Christ to be formed in us. You get it? And the process is called life. This is not a course. I can't give you a book. Uh, we could go in the back room in my classroom and study it for a while, but it's going to be life is going to be your classroom. And what God wants is for the ways of Jesus to become our ways. But we find ourselves in a crippling soul, a soul that is unhealthy, a soul that does not want God, as Paul reminds us in Romans 3, that runs away, denies God, and denies all the good things of God. But in that soul, it thinks and maybe behaves that way because of memories, because of feelings, beliefs, wrong beliefs. Somebody was asking me this morning, why is it that I feel less of a man when I cry? And he's telling that to a Puerto Rican. We don't have an issue with that. (laughs) You see? So what was? It was a wrong belief. It is not manly to cry. No, it is human to cry. Hello? Okay, so see how beliefs, when someone tells you when you're a child in school, you will never amount to anything. You will never be anything good in this society. We children kind of tend to believe that, and we may walk our lives with that ghost and that condemnation in our lives. This is what's called infirmities. This is what's called the unrighteousness in our lives. Whether we did it or it, has, it was done against us, the pains, the hurts the rejections, the abandonments, all those feelings are all there. And they are crippling the flow of the Spirit. Look, it's like there are walls in there that don't allow for the flow of God's perfect love for me to become a perfect example of God's love because I still have some anger and I still have some resentment and I want to keep some of those. Allowing God to mold you, build Christ in you, and allowing Christ to be formed, putting on, and even dying to self.
So let me share about three movements in today's message. Today's message is called Healing for the Soul. In no way, shape, or form, I'm pretending to, this is the asterisk at the bottom, to present a, a, a comprehensive idea of how the soul can be healed. These are principles that I have found in many theologians and many other pastors. I had the privilege of studying both psychology and theology and have degrees in, uh, graduate degrees in both fields. So I feel comfortable talking about this. But let me be honest with you. I feel more, more comfortable talking about this in a classroom than on a pulpit. Okay? So if you have questions, write them down, ask me very quickly. The first movement that for healing is from darkness into light. Basically, is from not knowing to knowing. Somebody told me uh, uh, when they became a believer and they started coming to, to our congregation here, she said, uh, you know, I didn't used to care about when I was nasty to people. I didn't care. It was so natural for me to be nasty to people that I didn't care about it. Now that I'm coming to church and now that I love Jesus, I don't like that part of me. And interestingly enough, she said, does that mean I'm a Christian? I said, ding dong, bingo. You see, what did not used to be, Sean, what, what wasn't a problem, what was not a unhealthy pattern was shown in the light by the Holy Spirit. Nobody told her you're nasty, you're a Christian now. It didn't get to that point. She just felt. So the Holy Spirit showed on this person, your nastiness is not good. So she sought issues. So the first point is from darkness into light. Now, many times our sins, our iniquities, our manipulations, our fears, our anger takes a lot of different masks and patterns. They even hide, and we don't even know we have them. I mean, to the point that the psalmist would pray for this. Look what the psalmist would say. You have placed our iniquity before you. Boom, shine on. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. He continues, uh, or he adds in Psalm 19, How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart, in my soul? How can I know them? Cleanse me from these hidden sins. Then the wisdom writer in Proverbs 28, 13 tells us, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. Compare that one to 3 John. But if you confess and turn from them, you will receive mercy. The goal in the first movement is basically to, to humbly accept our brokenness, trust, and move towards the healing grace of God. Understanding on how our inner world is made, how it functions, how it plays, is a lot better for life, isn't it? Understanding that. So the second movement, very quickly, is the, this is where the work takes place. This is where really, you know, things have to happen. And, and we're not comfortable about it because the second movement is from disorder to order. From chaos to order. From no discipline to discipline. From an abandoned garden to a tended garden. So this is where the tealing, the pruning. This is where we again humbly accept who we really are 
We don't have to tell everybody. But we accept our brokenness. And we seek for God to move us in order. And there are the one tool that works here is the Holy Spirit will point at you. The Holy Spirit will say, hey, how about this part in your life? Have you forgiven? Oh, I don't know. Many times, uh, I know a person who I will not name. She's my mother, uh, who, um, <laughs> who, who hated this person in church. I don't know. She just disliked the, this person. And we had 500 people, so she could choose from a lot, you know. So, but she hated this one person. And, and I didn't know the story until after what happened. So she's praying, you know, for God to, to heal that because she knew it wasn't good for her to have those feelings towards that person. She didn't even know his first name. So what's, what is she reacting to? So one day, as she's sharing that with somebody, the person said, Carmen, who does he remind you of? <gasps> my father and how he abandoned me. But I love my father. You see, all those things. But she reacted to this person that way because subconsciously it reminded her of the father. So one day they're in church. And they're praying together, and they're moving around in groups of, in, like I try to do here. But then this one, they, they, they did a roly-poly prayer, which means that this group started praying here. But then this group who was praying here, now they're, the second cycle of prayer, they're going to mesh together. And, and she ended up next to the guy, holding hands. And the instructions from the pastor was to share something about the person next to you. So... She looked at him. I don't even know your name, but I hated you. I think she was 65 already, so at that time you can check off and say some things. <laughs> but the guy kind of was startled, and, and she began to speak, and he began to understand her, and they became very good friends because she was able to understand and move from disorder to order, from a confused kind of negative feeling to a clarity of feeling. Third movement that the Holy Spirit, not only from light, from darkness into light, and not only from disorder into order, but the third movement is the one that we, we Americans do not like because it has to do with our, our self, with our right, our right to be. But Jesus says, if you want to be my disciples, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Yielding to Christ. Dying to my right of being right sometimes. Dying to my right of defensiveness. For the sake of Christ. Whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Interestingly enough, this is also the moment where the truth comes. You see, our souls are never satisfied unless they receive truth. And unfortunately, the word truth has almost become politicized. But there is truth, and it must be sought. Interesting, the text in John says, and ye shall know the truth. 
Notice, and ye shall seek and know the truth. So here, the Word of God becomes extremely important in our, because it is the truth of God. It is God's perspective. It is God's opinion that we are to adopt, that we are to receive, that we are to yield to in order to become closer to Christ. Notice, the goal here is not to become famous, rich, is not to become popular, is not to be and conquer the world. It is to be like Jesus. And He did it, but He did it in very different ways. You see, our surrendering our truths to God's most excellent truths, from our ways to God's ways, from our thinking to God's thinking, from our attitudes to God's attitudes, from our mentality to the mind of Christ, from our selfishness and self-centeredness to the generosity of offering our lives for others, just like Jesus did. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, and the new one has begun. Praise be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that uh, you have not called us to become and super uh, uh, involved in self-improvement, but you have called us to be transformed and become your children by your grace. Teach us that your grace is not what you gave us in the moment when we met you or you called unto us and rescued us. Teach us that your grace is fresh every morning, is new every morning, and is there to transform, change us, change our attitudes, change our beliefs, change our lives so that we can become more by Christ. We thank you that you are the main gardener. We thank you that you called us for our lives to go deep in significance and purpose, not so that we can just reach enlightenment, which is okay, but that that enlightenment will pour over our lives in such a way that we see the darkness in the world and share our light, which is your light, O oh God. We thank you for that privilege. We thank you for the community in which you have placed us, a community which is confused and, and, and is struggling in finances, is struggling in identity, is struggling in so many ways, oh God. Some call it gentrification, some call it whatever. We are called to be your children and to be the light of hope for this community, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the elders who work so hard in ministries. We thank you for those who help in the teams. Bless them. And we ask you, O oh Lord, to inspire others to join those teams of ministry as we grow in your grace. We thank you for members of our community who are here, but we think of those who are not like Antuelo, who's had surgery and is convalescing at home. We think of Shirley Allen. And we think of others who we love. We thank you for our students who graduated for Taylor's celebration on Friday, graduation and going to college. We ask you to bless her and her friends as they move in this adventure in life. And we thank you for all the graduates.
this season. May you inspire them to seek the good things of yours, O oh God. But above all, we thank you for Jesus, who is the truth, who is the way, who is the resurrection, and who is our life. In him, we move and have our being. Make us aware of that. We thank you that he sent his spirit as we celebrate next Sunday in Pentecost that dwells in us, that keeps us together as a family and keeps us together as individuals. But we thank you for him who sent the spirit, who ascended and is in the right hand of your presence, O oh God, and who taught us to say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.